You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Today on the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, it's science educator Alex Schiffman, who's also my younger brother, but first kid, man, oh, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. The things ain't always gonna go our way, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new beginning. Choose your struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back, just that day. Come on in, listening to choose your struggle. Choose your struggles. Choose your struggles. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. So great to be back with you all. A lot of love for last week's show, which is wonderful, and a couple of nice responses to the Monday motivation. That's going to be built on, actually, in this coming Monday episode as well. So uh, we're going to keep talking about this issue because I think it's incredibly important. Now, before we get into this week's show, a couple of uh, notes, as always. Number one, really excited about this. I have a new course out on Listenable. Yes, I know I mentioned this briefly uh, maybe a month or so back when I was working on it. It's called Mindfulness Beyond Meditation. It's Like I said, it's on Listenable, which is an online education platform. You can find the link in uh, the show notes of this show. You can also find it in on my campsite bio, on my website, all that kind of stuff. If you have a listenable account, which it's pretty popular, so I'm sure some of you do, just go listen. It's it's that easy. If you don't and you feel like signing up, they do give seven days for free, and my my course is only an hour worth of listening. So you know you can definitely get that done in that time. Uh, but if you decide to stay longer and you want to check out other of their their really cool classes, use the code JSHIFTMAN1, JAYSHIFMAN1 J A Y S H I F M A N one to get 30% off your, uh, your, your, your package from Listenable. So check that out. The, the class is about finding other ways to practice mindfulness beyond meditation. I know that's a thing I've talked about before here, so that shouldn't be a surprise to y'all. But check it out, because I, I really enjoyed making it, and the feedback has been pretty great, uh, so much so that Listenable has already highlighted it on their social media and their, their newsletters. There's a lot of buzz around it, and I'm very, very excited about that. So definitely check that out. Also, uh, thank you to those of you who have already done the giveaway uh, or entered for the giveaway. As a reminder, follow me on the big six social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and then send me a message and say done or, or whatever. And if you don't have one of those, that's fine. Tell me that. So definitely do that. This episode is with Alex Schiffman, my younger brother. It's going to be a little different. We kind of just chatted for the first 45 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that. And I went, you know what? Most of this is good, so I'm going to leave it in. And so it's less about his story and uh, his work, although the second half, as always, is you know, about, about what he does now. And more just a conversation between the two of us and then a little bit about his work at the end. So Definitely a different one, a little bit longer today because of that. But the the way I'm gonna make that work is you're getting less ads today. Yay! <laughs> so um, you know, I wanted to give you more content and less ads, so you know, you're welcome. Before we get into that, one last awesome announcement. 
the next Rock Bottom Storytellers is scheduled for April 28th. Uh, that's a Wednesday. And that is um, going to be at 8.30 Eastern time, like the last one. It's uh, going to be on the same platform. So if you watched it last time, you're set. Also, a very exciting announcement. The week before that, which is uh, Wednesday, what is that, the 21st? I think that's, that's right. The same time, 8.30, uh, same platforms, is a de- the debut of a new storytelling event that I'm going to be doing every couple of weeks called A Day in the Life. And what this is is just one person telling their story, a story, any story they want, and then I'll be coming back at the end to interview them about that story. So the debut, like I said, is the 21st of April at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, on my Twitter, on my Facebook page, and on my YouTube. And it's going to be with Sean Braley, who you've heard on this podcast. He was a guest on season one. And not only that, but he gave me my start back in 2015 when, when, I, when I told uh, my Cincy story, uh, which is the organization he runs, Cincy Stories. I gave a, a talk that night, uh, told my story of overcoming substance misuse and, and addiction and recovery and all that. And that's what really launched this career that I'm still on now going on six years later. So as sort of a, a, a full circle, you know, he, he's been so kind to come on and, and tell a story for me to debut this event. So definitely check that out. If you go to the campsite bio, again, that's in my show notes, you go to my website, it's there. That's where all of my things are listed. You'll see an ad for that right off, right at the top. I'm not advertising Rock Bottom yet. Um, I'm, I'm also not announcing who the storytellers are yet because I'm still, you know, getting all of that done. But by the time next week's episode comes out, that will be public knowledge. So at, at this time, just make sure you're subscribed to those uh, pages and you'll see all of the stuff as it goes. And as a reminder, you know, it, it stays online forever and it will be released here. So you'll hear this stuff, whether you like it or not. Um, I think that's it. So enjoy this episode with Alex. Again, a little different, but that's a good different. And, you know, at the end, stick around for the card and the uh, good egg as always. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I love you all. I am so excited to tell you about my new CBD sponsor, Roadrunner. Y'all know I love my old CBD sponsor, and I switched for one main reason. This stuff works. I've been a runner my whole life, but unfortunately, I'm also super easily injured. One of my high school friends used to call me Mr. Glass. And back in 2015, when I ran my first half marathon, I got hurt, like really hurt. And since then, I haven't been able to run more than three or four miles without serious pain. That is until I tried Roadrunner CBD's Muscle Gel. In a few short months, I'm regularly running five and a half to six miles each outing, and I'm currently training for my next half marathon. I don't want to call it a miracle cure, but it's damn near close. So check it out at my personal Roadrunner link, which is roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS, or at the link in my show notes or on my podcast website, and use the code CYS at checkout to get 10% off on all of their awesome products. Check it out today. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, I mean, I, it's on permanent hiatus. It, I pick it up back up whenever I, I feel like picking it back up. I have a few different irons in the fire right now, so I can talk about a couple of those. Science to Show um, is one, and then the uh, the episode that I just dropped of a series we're trying to promote. Although that's probably, I don't know, you let me know, because that one, both of the other things I'm working on right now are specifically like drug doing drugs focused um fine you know the three topics of the show are mental health substance misuse and recovery and drug use and policy so perfectly fine like we'll definitely mention at least there's this because i was on that and and i dropped that episode on this uh so also we should talk about the fact that you were in a budweiser commercial (laughs) years and years ago yes yeah um so we're already recording. So there, okay. this this could be in the show. You know, yeah. it, it, you you are the first person uh, that will be on the show that I've known for longer. Let's see, Pat was for twenty two uh, twenty eight years. So you guys are uh, you're a little longer than that because you know me for thirty one. Although this gets into a philosophical question: How long was I me? Because yes, <laughs> like the body existed but was i a person until i don't know i was four or five years old my awareness of the being that is alex schiffman goes back 31 years right Uh, although if you could pronounce my name or even knew what awareness was or how much awareness even you had at that point yeah well let's see so Uh, yes i am your 31 year old younger brother which is a I'm three years older than you, so I could probably say your name. At that point, you think? Yeah, I could say Alex at three. I was speaking at three, and, you know, I I had trouble with my R's, but there's no R in Alex. There is an Alexander. which I definitely would not have called you Alexander. I used to think that Xander was my middle name. (laughs) I used to think that mom and dad were really cool, I guess. No, but so for the listeners who are hearing his voice and go, I know that voice. That's because you've now heard him twice. I was on his uh, podcast. At least there's this. uh, And I put that out as a special episode last season. Also, one of the between season special episodes was the first episode of your podcast that goes along with your show. Science to show. Oh, I didn't know you. Wow. I didn't know that you know. uh, No, because you sent me the you sent me the audio file. Right. I did. Thank you. You did me a feed drop. My uh, (laughs) my my brain is all over the place and I am walking these cats. (laughs) I'm in a new place and I have two cats. One is four years old um, and one is six months. And the four year old loves the six month old so much. It's very cute because he's kind of. I don't know. My girlfriend thinks that I impart my personality on my four-year-old cat and think that he's like <laughs> depressed and sad. And then this young, this young woman comes into his life and kind of perks everything up. Uh, and she, she thinks that I'm trying to write our relationship onto our cats, <laughs> but the young, the young baby cat kind of makes him excitable and run around. Uh, yeah, so I am Jay's younger brother. I uh, also have a podcast, although it's on permanent hiatus called At Least There's This, which is a podcast about some of the small good things in our world of hurt. And I think honestly, shit just got so bad in the last <laughs> year that I didn't feel like making it. I, like, 
I, I'm sure that it, there would be a good time for it, but I just felt like exhausted, which everyone I'm sure can relate to right now. We are in the apocalypse, but uh, at least the sand is nice. So right. at least there's nice sand. <laughs> at least I found a crust of bread today. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because there's a lot of people, you know, like I was supposed to be on this podcast not long ago and the guy reached out and was like, look, man, I, I-, I hate to cancel on you like day of, but I do a mental health podcast and I'm not feeling in a great spot and it would be like disingenuous to talk about, you know, mental health. Although, you know, the the flip side of that is that sometimes it's good to lean into that. Right. And be like, everything is really hard right now. We're going to talk about that. Yes. Let's talk about it. There, there is something happening right now that I hope persists, but I, I don't believe it will that people are saying no a lot more. Um, and speaking honestly about like, I can't do this right now. And we live in a work culture that prizes productivity. And, you know, you people valorize the Elon Musk's of the world, the 10 Xers, like, you know, people take mushrooms to try to be better worker bees, right? Like that's sort of the, the weird thing we're living in right now. And the pandemic, I think, has made a lot of people say like, wait, hold on, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Like I, the fact that I don't have to be at work right now and that literally everybody is suffering some piece of what I'm suffering right now. Hang on. Why are you playing? <laughs> this pause in the show brought to you by Cats. One of our brothers has a kid, and I imagine he has it much easier <laughs> than a hyperactive baby cat. They don't move as much, kids, babies. Um, right. No, so you you were raising a really good point, and that is that you know we we value this crazy amount of productivity, and you know I I love these conversations that are people going like, yeah, oh my god, you know, uh, 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 what's his fucking name from Amazon is now worth this much, and other people are going, that's, that's fucking stupid, <laughs> like that is so damn dumb. <laughs> it's it it's like when. So, so I, I've been a comedian for different portions of my life, and there's this genre of comedy that I love, but I find that it's mostly other comedians that like it, where you take the joke to the extreme. I'll give you an example. My friend Jordan Pridgen, who is, I think, one of the funniest comedy writers I've ever worked with, who only people who like uh, tabletop role-playing games know of, he wrote this sketch for this group we used to be in, uh, and it was the 12 Days of Christmas, that song, but it was all French hens, right? Like, instead of saying anything else, we just said French hens, you know? And it, like, it's annoying, but then it becomes funny, but then it becomes annoying again, but then it becomes <laughs> funny. And it's because you're taking it to the extreme yeah. of the joke. And Jeff Bezos's wealth yeah. is that for capitalism, where, like, oh, well, there's this thing that, I don't know, it's got some benefits, it's got some downsides, what do we think about it? And then it's like, okay, look at it in the extreme. Now what do you think about it? And um, not to get us off the topic of like, on on the small scale, just being concerned with productivity feels almost cultish. Yeah, especially because that's not how our brains work. You know, no. this idea, like, 
the eight hour workday was a compromise, right? Because it used to be the 16 hour workday and people right. were literally dying. <laughs> and so they were I'm like, overworked. what about eight? And yes. so it's not that that's how we're productive. It's because they want us to work three times that. And we're like, that's the most we're doing. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I'll die. And the I'm certainly not a like, let's go back to the past kind of person. Um, but people used to be just fine working like a bunch for three weeks and then like rest for three weeks. You know, like you work really long to harvest your crops and then you rest for a while. You know, you do stuff with your downtime, but that we should always be productive is maddening. And I fall into it. I absolutely belong to that. Where like, if I wasn't productive today, I feel like shit, right? How much did I get done? And I think as far as mental health goes, I am, as I'm becoming 31 and becoming more, I'm not, I have a lot of irons in the fire and some of them are seeming like they might at least pan out the way that I've wanted them to since I was a kid. But as I'm starting to become more, I don't know, awful word for it, but actualized, I look back at a lot of my misery as a kid and, or, you know, 20s. And it's because I was so tied up to this idea of productivity that my anxiety never stopped. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of what choose your struggle means, you know, and it's it's the, yeah. this idea of like what definition of success or what definition of of, um, you know, fulfillment are you chasing? Is it yours or is it so something that someone else has has imprinted on you, you know, from the, the individual, which is we all know the stories of the guy who becomes a doctor because mommy told him when he was six that doctors are how you right. get respect. And then he's 50 and he hates his life. Or is it this big picture of what success looks like that society tells us, which is the the the, the big house, the, the nice car, all the money, I'm the big title. And what's ridiculous is that we know from so many scientific studies that happiness peaks at a certain level of income. After that, you're just storing money that if you took out the word money and put in any other product, we would call that hoarding. But when it comes to yeah. money, we reward it. We're like, yeah, man, stack your, stack your money. And it's kind of like you said about Jeff Bezos, it's fucking gross. It, it's, it is. I have a good friend who his family survived the Holocaust. And so safety is a huge thing in their like psyche, but it's not spoken of like that, right? They don't think about like, we need to be safe. It's just, there's this familial trauma of grandpa escaped, I think Auschwitz, like he escaped it, you know? And so my friend's dad lives alone in a mansion, right? Like not just a big house, like a silly mansion. He lives by himself with his, you know, stuff and his guns and his expensive liquor that he doesn't drink. And he's miserable, but he can't stop himself, right? Like he, this is the thing he's stuck on. And I mean, it's easy for me to say because I have a lot of financial security and I am comfortable, but I also the more secure I feel also, the more ridiculous some of the habits that I, I've seen my, like play out myself and play out in other people seem to feel. And like, I wonder, and I'm sure you can give me insight on this. Wh I mean, I, I, I what's the causality chain? Is it that anxiety 
drives weird money actions, which drives anxiety, or is it the other way around, you know? Well, I think, so two things. Number one, the fact that we are financially stable, I think is why we should speak out against this, because it's one thing for people who are not well off to look at someone like Jeff Bezos and be like, that's fucking terrible. It's another thing for someone who comes from means, has grown up around a lot of similar people and being like, even I don't respect this. You know, when, when it's yeah. when it's you are one of them, it's a lot easier to be like. And by the way, we are not Jeff Bezos. I mean, nobody is Jeff Bezos. Yeah. But while we are well off, we are not not Jeff Bezos. But it's a lot easier for for someone to hear, uh, like, oh, you actually right. know what it's like to be financially stable, and even you think there's a problem. Maybe I should take a second look at this. So cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a part of it. But the second part I think is that, so I, I don't know if it, how much of it is like anxiety breeding uh, these decisions or how much of it is like, all right, I have this money. <laughs> I didn't earn this. I, my, my, you know, I earned this by being born into this body, into this, yeah. into this name. And, right. you know, and in our case, it goes back uh, multiple, multiple generations. And so literally it's like, all we did was being the next in line right. and it could have been anybody, you know? Literally. And so in that case, right. it's more of a motivation to do good things and to be anxious I think the anxiety for me at least comes from, you know, how much of this do I enjoy? How much of this do I try to do good things with? You know, I sometimes get caught up in that of like, I know I'm okay. I'm not making a lot of money from this quote unquote job that I do. Even, I mean, even though I work harder than a lot of people who are making a lot of money, I'm not bringing in a lot of income. And then I start getting this nagging thing of, oh, I should be, you know, making money. And then I look at my bank account and I'm like, why? You know, right. what's the point? Why? I'm doing good things now. I would be doing less good just to put money in my pocket. Like, that's so dumb. It is. It's, but it, it feels like valuation. I mean, I, I talk about this with my therapist literally constantly. How do you get, like, what is value, right? I mean, this is like a, an actual, people say like, well, that's a philosophical question a lot when it's not really a philosophical question. It's like a question of uh, uh, culture or, you know, um, human interest, but like what actual value is, is like a like academic philosophical question. But like, where do you, from what do you derive value and how do you classify value is a hard thing to think about. And I, as an Americans, value looks like money, but it also looks like other people telling you you're doing something that deserves money. And that's what a job is for a lot of people. And that's why when I talk to people about like, okay, well, imagine a post-work society. I hear even really intelligent people say like, well, what would I do? You know, what would I do with my time? Like some of the smartest I'm in a book club right now that my buddy put together who works for um, one of the space like companies out here. And he's got a bunch of friends who are like equally as intelligent, but in other fields. And I was talking to this guy who like right off the bat was like, wow, this guy's brilliant. I love this guy. And we were talking about post-work and he was like, what would I even do? And I'm like, you went to grad school for engineering micromaterials and right now you're working 
for a tech startup in SF, like I'm not wasting your talents because you're clearly doing something that you find fulfilling, but like, what would you do? Anything. You're brilliant. You're an actual genius. You could figure something out to do with your time. Some people say, well, it's not rocket science. Well, you literally, you literally are a rocket scientist. (laughs) A rocket scientist. You could, you could figure it out, pal. Yeah, we so we drove uh, not long ago down to Atlanta to see our family members, and when when mom and dad were passing through, and I'm walking up ahead with dad and I think someone else, and I don't remember who all was was there, but uh, one of our family members, who I'm not going to say by name, pulled Lauren aside and was like, "Is Jay still, you know, without a job?" And it was not meant to be an insulting thing. It right. was in this person's view, their concept of work didn't fit what i am doing even though i incorporated i have a business i have money that comes in i have money that goes out i have the tenants of a business but it was still just enough outside the box for this person that that to them seemed more like oh he does that on the side or like like, that's like a fun thing a hobby hobby Right. Because our conception of work is, as you were saying, it, it's it's tied up in all of these other sort of descriptions and, and uh, things that that are, are too far inside a very specific realm in a, in a right. bubble that anything outside of that is is not even something that people can comprehend, even when it's like entrepreneurship is like, okay, you still have to have one toe in the normal, the, yeah. the, 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 what people can conceptualize, because if not, people will say things like, oh, that's really interesting, or that's really cool, that's rewarding. I don't know how you'll be able to monetize it. And you have to go, well, right. maybe that's not the goal. <laughs> maybe that's not the point, yeah. is, is that I am measuring success by a different definition. Right. Maybe. And this is something that like, I still feel titillated whenever I say it. And of course, like money makes my world go around, obviously, but like maybe money sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at at a certain extent, you've got enough and, and, and it changes, it changes conversations and it changes interactions to a point where, again, if you replace it with something other than money, I think it'd be a lot easier for people to be like, well, why does that fucking matter? Yeah, I, I think the last few years definitely fucked up our, in a good way, fucked up our generation, right? Like this was our Great Depression, the the Trump presidency. This was the last 9-11. I mean, like, whether, I'm not going to say whether or not you're a Trump supporter. I, I rarely like to make big sweeping pronouncements because I don't think anything is black and white, but I like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you really thought that he was like good. I get not thinking that the Democrats are good. Fuck, of course. But like, if you're like, no, Trump was genuinely a good thing, then like, no, I'm not going to do the like both sides you're a jackass. But uh, this really changed so many people who I know. Like, I definitely came into the last four years as like a, a liberal Democrat. And my politics, I don't know what my politics are anymore, but I, I don't feel that way any longer. And Partly, I don't feel that way any longer because I don't want 
to live the same way that I, that I don't want society to be the way that it's been for so long. So I, I was just on a podcast interview before this, where we were talking about very similar issues. And, you know, I talked about how I, not only was I a registered Democrat, I was an elected in my neighborhood Democrat. I was on yeah. the ballot and everything. And now I've officially switched my registration to independent. Um, you know, I call myself a progressive or very liberal, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm not a, a Democrat because I just don't think that that either party is doing anything that we can be that proud of. And yeah, uh, what the specific conversation we were having was it's so scary that that the bar was lowered so much by Trump that almost anything is like being rewarded now that Biden yeah. does. You know, there's a fight as we record this, and this isn't coming out for a month, so something may have changed. In fact, everything probably will have changed, and nothing will have changed during the period before this comes out. Um, but there's a fight going on about how Biden is refusing to, uh, you know, waive um, the 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 uh, debt from student debt, right. even though this is something that he had talked about on the campaign trail, and even though the Democratic leaders are calling on him to do it now. This his his rationale is because that money should go to something else, and it's like if you're spending billions on a military budget our roads are crumbling our yeah. bridges there's a bridge in cincinnati that has been called you know functionally defunct or whatever for about 20 which years bridge? nothing is being done which bridge and, uh the, the main one the 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 uh, brent spence bridge is is, is defunct yeah they it's supposed to be replaced they've talked about it for the last 20 years and nothing's happening God. Um, and so all these are going on, and yet half our budget's being spent on bombing other people. People and in Yemen, yeah, on fucking Raytheon. It's ridiculous. And so it, it, as long as we're able, or as long as we allow the conversation to be shifted into the way that they want to talk about it, you know, this is why so many people are checked out. It's like they just don't feel that either party or any election really affects them at this point because they're nothing in their life is going to change. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a friend who's like, you know, nothing like, I don't think I'm ever going to vote again. I have a, he's a, a black guy living in Colorado and he voted for Biden, even though he didn't, he really didn't want to. And then with the student debt thing, he's like, I think I'm just done. I think I might just be done voting. <laughs> uh, I because get it. I, yeah, like nothing is coming out of this. Nothing good is coming out of this. And I think I'm just done. And like, I get it. I, I can't tell him that he's wrong, you know, for feeling that way. What what makes me sad is is this, you know, that the again, the bar is so low that that factually incorrect outright lies are right. allowed you know, I mean, look, Biden said not long ago that weed is a gateway drug. I mean, what kind of what what kind of just say no dare bullshit is that right. in 2021 where it's legal in more states than it's illegal? And we have a president who thinks that weed's a gateway drug. So it's very know, old man shit. It uh, is. It is. I think. So I, I've been reading that article that you just posted about what's the name, Carl Hart? Yes, who's fantastic. I love Carl Hart. Right, about like a, a drug user who's, you know, a neuroscience PhD and a professor. And he's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And it feels like 
everything in the last four years has been like everything that people have told us is bad. I'm watching them do it and be, make it bad. And then uh, I'm at the same time learning that like, no, most of it is fine. Like almost everything is actually okay. I was talking to a guy on this show not long ago about how nobody ever came out and said we were wrong about cannabis. Never been said by a policymaker, by a political leader. It's just quietly gone from when I was arrested for it in, 20, in 2005. And now the same people who called me a criminal are smoking in the boardroom talking about their next big thing, right? So right. it just is, and it wasn't, yep, we, we got this one wrong or honestly, we intentionally misled you about this. None of that. It's just now- right a fine thing to do. So if you know that, and you know that all of these laws were intentionally created to be racist, which is where they all came from. Uh, listeners yeah. know, I, I shout this out all the time, but if you don't know the history of drug laws in this country, read Chasing the Scream, uh, which is a bestseller from Johan Hari, wonderful book uh, that lays it out. They're all based in racism. So if you know that, it's a lot easier to say, God, this is all just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and the people that I respect are the ones like a guest on this from a couple of weeks ago who start doing the work themselves. You know, there's a guy named Peter Kreiken, started the first overdose prevention site in Scotland. Uh, he was on this show. He bought a van, outfitted it. Uh, started driving it around saying, come use here. And all if you overdose, I'm here with Narcan. Uh, he had a nurse with him who would do, you know, would help revive him. He had test strips, all the stuff. And he got arrested. He said, you can keep arresting me. I'm going to keep doing this. And yeah. so they're finally having these conversations about making policy changes. But the only way this is going to change is if people like us just keep pulling along the politicians. Like, we're going to do this. So either you can keep arresting us or we can have real conversations. Yeah, it's like... Um... It's disgusting watching politicians be cool with it now. It's like I I, I just finished Blowback. Do you know Do you know that podcast? It's about mm -hmm. the Iraq War. It's made by one of the guys from Chapo Trap House. Who like I don't know how I feel about Chapo Trap House because they just sound like such awful bros. But <laughs> and I don't like the way that they tell stories. But the story that they tell is fantastic, and it's about the Iraq War and like growing up. The Iraq war was our culture. Uh, you know, I just didn't realize it. I just thought this shit was like normal. And you hear the politicians love the Iraq war and glorify the Iraq war and just like, oh, this thing is fantastic. This is the best thing. We need to do this. And no one really says we fucked up, you know? And we fucked up so tremendously. <laughs> like, it's not, oh, this was like a blunder. It's like we destroyed the Middle East. And we're not talking about it. There's no mea culpa. And I feel that way about drug policy. Like, I oh, no, opium is the worst thing in the world. Opium destroyed China. Well, no, the British destroyed China, and they used opium as a way to make money off of that. And marijuana, it's so bad for you. No, you're just afraid of Mexicans. And there's no point where anyone said, like, yo, we fucked up on that. You know, like, we can make fun of teetotalers in the 30s. But we can't admit until everyone is dead, way, way, way dead. They're like, oh, shit, we fucked up. We were wrong because it's not we anymore. It's those silly old people. Yeah, there was there's a quote that's like historians forget history, you know, and it's like yeah. it, it's it's 
I'm reading a book right now called The American Disease that is a scientific study of the early drug laws in this country. And he, the guy goes through and lays out how the first anti-opium laws were against Chinese immigrants. And then that pissed off China. And so we had a choice to be like, we were sorry or double down. And of course, what does the right. U.S. do in those in those circumstances? Well, we they down, doubled the fuck down yeah. and decided <laughs> they were going to go on this crusade to be like, no, we weren't just targeting Chinese immigrants. Opium is really dangerous. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, here we are over 100 years later thinking all drugs are bad, all from this one political decision because we were afraid to say we're sorry. So Man. it's like it's mind blowing how you can draw these parallels that politics yeah. ruins everything. We are uh, usually the bad guy is the the thing I'm coming to realize. Right, like you grow up, you grow up with a bad guy, right? We grew up with every not just us, but like everyone kind of grows up with the Nazis. The Nazis are the bad guys. They're bad. And like, oh, yes, the Nazis are very bad, uh, irredeemably bad. And it's easy to see that they're bad, right? Because, you know, they're wearing skulls on their hats and doing <laughs> bad guy shit. But like, we're also the bad guy in a lot of instances. I mean, we create like dictator schools that we send to South America and stuff. Like, we're not good. The shit we do here, too, is also very bad. Yeah. Oh, boy, that is a that is a whole other topic we could go down on, uh, go down that road. Um, instead, I'm going to say let's pause, shout out where people can find you, and then we'll, we'll go in another direction. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore F underscore Schiffman, and that's spelled the same way that Jay spells his last name. And then you can also find me at uh, Science the Show, which is at Show Science. And Right now, I just dropped a video. So what I do, we haven't really talked about that because I'm just talking a bunch of bullshit. Um, I am a science communicator, among a bunch of other things. I'm a writer and a comedian, but I try to package science in a way for people to access it and make it accessible so that it doesn't feel like this ivory tower scary thing. And that's a much harder thing to do than you would think, or than it it has to be. Not that that you would think, um, because there's a lot standing in the way. One of those reasons is that science is kind of difficult to understand. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but there are certain things about science that are nuanced and hard to wrap your head around. And the other side is that the culture is difficult to change. Um, The culture around science communication is that it's either for kids and then it's wowie zowie and zoom and, you know, cool, funky, like uh, young Bill Nye stuff, or that it's for old people who are already bought into science. And then it's angry, but also very technical. And I try to do it in a way with comedy but that's like fun and um, conversive and interesting and I'm not alone in doing this there's other people uh, like Shane Moss who do similar stuff but uh, science the show is one of the things that I do but the other thing that I'm doing right now I have something I can't talk about because I'm I'm in talks with production companies which feels amazing to say I've never been able to say that before but I've also just dropped something called Thoughts on the Rocks, which is we teach 
a couple of scientists from a professional bartender how to make a cocktail and then they make the cocktail and talk about the theme of it so we have one episode on youtube right now and if you want to check that out that's uh, thoughts on the rocks youtube episode one uh, is about heat and that's with three of my favorite scientists that i work with regularly um and that's something that hopefully we're going to get to make more of once the pandemic is over ready to take the next step in your mental health journey but not sure where to start feeling pretty good but interested in getting more in touch with the true you struggling with substance misuse and not sure where to turn reach out the first session is always free and hey sometimes we all just need someone to talk to find me at jshiffman.com today subscribe to my patreon for behind the scenes looks at the podcast sneak peeks and bonus data you'll also get a discount on choose your struggle merch Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. Basically, we're, now we're going to head after all of that, we're going to head towards your actual work. So, okay. Uh, I guess first question, honestly, is you kind of just addressed this, but go deeper in. Why science? Uh, okay. Growing up, do you remember our neighbors were like these uber hippies? They moved in right as I was graduating. I, I met them, but I didn't work with them to the point that you guys did. Right. So, like, I grew up, I guess, always looking for meaning. And I don't know if that's because I had anxiety or what, but I got really into Chinese martial arts. And Chinese martial arts is a gateway drug for hippie stuff if you um, are, like, a white dude who is really into feeling tough. <laughs> and that's common. Like that's something you see every time you do uh, most martial arts, honestly, but like Chinese martial arts, definitely because there's so much like history and story to it. And like, you know, esoterics, there's all this like stuff that, you know, you don't, um, you don't you don't get to see but they promise you like no 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 you do this and you're going to be really tough and you're going to be able to like you know hit someone's pressure points and whatever like stuff that is honestly just really good uh chinese movies but gets sort of sold to you as reality and so i got really into woo right do you do you know the term that i mean woo i don't woo is sort of like like hippie stuff you know like energy like oh you know the 311 song amber is the color of her of energy course. yeah yes like that's that's woo you know right like it's all good vibes man it's all good times but like sort of cosmologies that are explained by pseudoscience and um that sort of shit i got really into that like i was very into astrology for a while i was really into like anything that you're going to stumble on at burning man i was so super into. Um, but a problem with that explanation of reality is that even though it sort of looks like it's all good, man, like it's all smooth, it's all easy, the more you start to get into it, the more libertarian it is, right? Like the more it's about, oh, if you're unhappy, it's because you're not doing it right. You aren't meditating right. You aren't manifesting right. Like there is something wrong with you that you're unhappy, right? If you're depressed, it's because you're like doing something wrong. You know, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z different. And I mean, that's, it's the same with like 
certain types of martial arts. It's like, no, if you can't fight people, it's not because you're weak and the world should be less dangerous. And there are maybe some other things you should be thinking about other than how to live in a fight, like maybe trying to stay away from a place where you might get hurt. It's like, you need to practice your pressure point techniques better and shit. And so I, I was unhappy. I was, you know, depressed, whatever, and believed completely that the reason why I was so unhappy was because there was, you know, I wasn't doing X, Y, and Z right. And so it only made stuff worse. And that's a thing that you find a lot with people who like used to be really into the, the yoga scene and energy healing kind of scene and they got out of it. Right. Is that a, like, you get out of it because you realize that, oh, this is just like making stuff worse. This is telling me that I am the problem. And people who are still really into it are probably like tearing at their hair right now, being like, no, you're, you know, it's good. It's a good thing. You're just doing it wrong. And like, well, okay, then you're just saying exactly what I just said. Um, and this is all, I mean, I, it's stuff that I'm only realizing later was such a, problem for me because I, I actually sent you an episode of this podcast called Conspirituality Pod, which like I can't say I love everything that they do, but they really wrapped up for me this thing that like it's like the first time you taste a flavor that you you love and someone names what it is. You know, like you've been eating umami things all your life and loving them and not realize what they are. And someone's like, oh that's umami. You're like, oh I guess I love umami this podcast has been like, no, what you're talking about is conspirituality, right? This weird like overlap between modern American spirituality and uh, like right-wing grifters and uh, conspiracies like QAnon and stuff. And so I was kind of wrapped up in that stuff and miserable. And then I listened to a podcast with one of my favorite science communicators because I was in China like trying to sleep and I couldn't sleep. So I put on a British voice, you know, something from BBC figuring it would help me sleep because they have great voices. And it was this guy, Brian Cox, who is a fantastic science communicator. And he used to be a pianist um, for a punk band. And someone asked him this question like, oh, but like, couldn't ghosts be real? Like whatever. And normally American commentators love to say like, well, you know, I don't want to say absolutely yes, absolutely no, or whatever, but here's this or that. And he was like, no, absolutely not. Ghosts violate the second law of thermodynamics. And based on everything we've seen with science, you can't violate the law, the second law of thermodynamics. So no. And that was a revelation for me, right? That someone could be like, no, we know stuff. And based on the stuff that we know, that doesn't seem likely, right? That seems wrong. So I, so, you know, common sense says, no, ghosts aren't real because we can't see any evidence of them, but also we don't even need common sense. Let's look at these other reasons. And so I started to think like, wow, wow, that's amazing. Maybe I should look more into this, you know, science stuff. And so I, that was in like 2014 and it's 2021 now. And in that time I have become like a professional science communicator. And now I'm in school, like trying to get a bachelor's in mathematics because I've fallen completely in love with science, not just because of what it says isn't there, but because of what it says 
is. And that is a lot of science communication that I used to love starts out as debunking stuff, right? It's like ghosts aren't real. Ancient aliens is stupid, right? Like here's all the stuff that people want to say exists that isn't. The earth isn't 6,000 years old, so on and so forth. And I used to love that stuff because I needed to hear that stuff. But as you get more into science, that starts to fall on deaf ears, right? Like you start to hear that and you go like, okay, I already know that, but like that still leaves me feeling empty. And my girlfriend uh, grew up in the church. She grew up in like incredibly culty Christian uh, religion. And I'm not saying that all religion is called. I find religions beautiful, but she grew up in very controlling, very strict um, church doctrine and leaving it because she realized she was an atheist, but she didn't see what else was there. And it, it was hard for her. But luckily, I had already gone through all that. I mean, I'd basically grown up an atheist, but then sort of found Wu and then fell out of it. Um, I had already gone from the sort of Richard Dawkins, like, you're all stupid, like, fuck you kind of science communication and atheism to like the Carl Sagan atheism, which is like, let's look at what the universe is and not just talk about what's there, but talk about how beautiful this is. How every particle of light is a wave and every bit of matter is vibrating energy and everything operates off of symmetrical laws or laws that if they're not symmetrical, the symmetry has been broken in a way that is itself beautiful. And everything that you see and you are a part of that is describable by sublime mathematics and that is honestly i've been sort of not lost i don't like saying lost because that makes it sound like there's somewhere you're supposed to be but the last year has been tough for all of us me as well as anybody else and I haven't been feeling that awe quite as much, but it's there and the greatest science communication, which is such a technical word, but the greatest like open-eyed view of science is not just, oh, hey, we've got medicine and isn't medicine cool? And, you know, we can build electric cars that can take us from A to B without using gas. Isn't that neat? Like, let's ignore the fact that batteries are also terrible for the earth. But it, it's not so much about what we can do with it, which is still wonderful. And uh, engineers and the people who apply science are incredible. But it's about what it says about your own cognition and your own existence in the universe as part of the universe. And it that's to me more beautiful than anything that anyone ever told me in my you know natal chart or that anyone ever told me about some gaia theory or that you know this this religion that i stole bits of from the amazon right is going to tell me about reality like 
not only is it predictive, which it is, right? You can even plugging in Newton's math, which no longer holds up because quantum theory and relativity sort of supersede that. But even plugging in Newton's math now, you can still predict things that are going to happen in a thousand years. But it's also beautiful and symmetrical and, I mean, psychedelic. And I want to share that with people as much as I possibly can. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Alex Talk Science. Uh, we'll be back next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a uh, that was a bit of a tear. No, but it, it, I think it shows just how not only how much you know about this, but how much you enjoy it, and and, and because of that, I I like I, you know you answer a lot of my questions along the way. Uh, so without further ado, we will just go ahead and into the final questions, but first one more time, shout out where people can find you and follow you. Sure. People can find me at a underscore F underscore Shipman on, uh, Twitter. They can also find me at show science and, uh, where else can they find me? I mean, that's it. Check out thoughts on the rocks, which is the latest episode um or the the first episode and hopefully there will be more of a science and cocktail show that i've made unless that's not for you and if that's not for you there are so many amazing science communicators out there who will make content that serves whatever your needs are uh the show i made that show with a friend of mine alex danis who is a geneticist and an incredible science communicator you can find her on TikTok and YouTube, and she is one of the best in the biz and deserves way more recognition. So if a show about science and alcohol doesn't serve where you are right now in your journey, uh, check her stuff out. So I always finish with the same two questions. And the first is, uh, not just during COVID, but obviously the last year has been this especially, what are your self-care habits? Um. That's a good question for me right now because I have been, I've been kind of off my self-care game for the reasons that we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. Like my, the ways that I value myself have really taken a hit in COVID times, uh, which is my, not just my productivity, but my valuation from others and what am I making and what am I doing? So I, a lot of the self-care that, I was doing has fallen. I'm trying to get it back. Um, one thing that I do regularly is I, a nighttime walk, often with a joint, but not always, sometimes with a podcast, sometimes with music, is the best thing for me. I used to meditate regularly and it just stopped doing anything for me. But walking at night, alone with a joint. I know that a lot of people can't do that because either they live in unsafe places or they live in uh, unsafe bodies. Uh, they live in bodies where it is less safe to walk alone at night. If you are able to do that or you can do that with a, a friend who won't interrupt your flow, that does my heart so much good. Good answer. Uh... I mean, you know, those are mixing multiple things that, that are good for you. Yes. So great answer. Um, all right. Final one is, you know, you, you've already done a really good job of this, this show. Some people don't do nearly as well as good of a job, but 
who else should we all be following? Who are you reading? Who are you watching? Who are you listening to? Whatever the case is that we should all go check out. Uh, wow. I, I have a long and extensive list. So I'll go through. I already shouted out my friend, Alex, who people should absolutely check out. She's a fantastic science communicator. Um, I have been reading a lot by David Graeber, who is an anthropologist who studies America. He recently died, and unfortunately, I didn't learn about his work until he died. But his book, Bullshit Jobs, really like tore my head wide open, and I love it. Um, I'm reading a lot by my favorite philosopher, who is, uh, he died a while ago, but his name is Bertrand Russell, and he is the coolest dude although i'm afraid to say that because somebody's going to come out and be like well actually turns out since he was an old english guy he did some fucked up shit but he was a mathematician and his whole thing was on trying to systematize logic and it's a project that ultimately failed but in his attempts to do it he pushed logic and thought so far and he was also himself like outside of his philosophy because his philosophy wasn't all that much about life and living daily life he was far more interested in uh metalogic but he was even though he was like born to an aristocratic british family in the late 1800s he was an atheist which means different things then than it did now it still means you don't believe in god but now when we think of atheists a lot of times you think of assholes like richard dawkins but then it was a really uh difficult thing to be and he was also like a libertine with free love. Like not just he was out there like Marquis de Sade fucking a bunch of people and not living in the consequences. He was an advocate for free love before anybody else was. I mean, not anybody else, but this was before the 60s. And he lost a lot of potential like jobs teaching for that. And he's very funny as a writer, uh, even in dry material like mathematics and logic. So if you want philosophy, I recommend checking his stuff out. And um you have anything else? I, I shouted out Conspirituality Pod. They're one of those podcasts that really pushes me. And I can't say that everything they say I'm 100% on board for, but I think they're really talented, smart guys. Behind the Bastards is a fantastic podcast if you want to completely lose hope in humanity. Which I agree. I that, one's, that one's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that one's so good. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, hit me up if you want any other suggestions or to talk about anything else um i'm happy to talk i don't really like arguing on social media if you have a different viewpoint than me that's fine i mean the world is huge and we can all have different viewpoints i just get exhausted and anxious even if i uh, believe what i'm saying so you know you can find me if you want and i can't stop you from saying what you want on social media well, thank you for, for taking the time. This is going to be a very uh, interesting episode when it comes out, and, and I'm sure my listeners will appreciate it. I, I hope so, too, and I appreciate this. And, I yeah, I, I hope to talk to you all further. And also, Jay, you're my brother, so I will talk to you <laughs> further about just family stuff. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Y'all know I love to read, and almost every episode of this podcast includes a recommendation to check out an awesome book. From Adi Jaffe's Abstinence Myth to Johan Ahari's Chasing the Scream, I'm constantly looking for new books to learn from and enjoy. That's why I'm super excited to partner with Bookshop. Bookshop is a wonderful website that helps you find all your favorite books and support your local neighborhood bookstore in the process. I've bought everything from textbooks to Star Wars novels on Bookshop, 
and I've supported my local store with each transaction. Best of all, my bookshop link will allow you to see all the books I've mentioned on the show right in one spot. So check out Bookshop today using the link in my show notes or go to bookshop.org shop C-Y-S and you'll find all the awesome books you want and support the podcast in the process. Check it out today. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. The sound you hear is me opening the cards. I hope you enjoyed this this, uh, episode with Alex. We had a great conversation to start the show. And then I found the second part, you know, the, 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 the part where he talked about his work to be really interesting. And as I said, it, he answered so many of the questions I didn't have to ask anymore, which is wonderful. And he's good at this, you know, obviously as a podcast host himself, as a show host. And, you know, a lot of our work, obviously very different, but, but the avenues we choose to do the work are very similar in a lot of ways. So, you know, there's definitely, I think, a, a deeper conversation there of nature versus nurture because. <laughs> You know, we we grew up in the same household and are doing very similar work with a lot of similar mindsets. And, you know, that was that's that's fun. The card for today is going to be in honor of Alex. You know, he talked about how anxiety is a part of his journey. And uh, in in honor of that, we're going to use the 54 ways to ease the anxious mind pack from Blurt, as always. Thank you, Blurt. All right. Here is your card. One of one of the 54 ways to ease the anxious mind. (laughs) This is this is fun. Pop on some comfortable and loose clothes and socks. That's, uh, at the end of the day, who doesn't like to do that, right? You know, definitely one that, that is a smaller step, uh, but, but those are important. Those are uh, incredibly important because sometimes we forget that it's the, the, the little things that make a lot of the difference. And so, you know, just changing your immediate surroundings, right? Getting up, putting on some comfortable clothing, whatever the case is, and and as the card said, some socks can make a real difference. Your good egg for this week is is sort of going to be building off of last week. You know, I am obviously a big reader, as most of you know. Obviously, I have a partnership with Bookshop, which, by the way, please go check out Bookshop. But one of the things I try to challenge myself to do is to read plenty of books that are not stories, right? You know I love stories, obviously. That's what I talk about a lot. And and I love a good story. But right now I'm reading two books, neither one of which is story-based. And it's more difficult. I have to really push myself to read at times, not because it's not interesting, it's very interesting, but because our brains don't enjoy it as much as if it's a story. So I'm learning a lot. I, I don't learn as much, I think, but I am enjoying the learning aspect of the books, but it's more difficult. And I understand why a lot of people don't do that, right? So that's your good egg. Is a, this is a challenge to do that. You know, go to your library, go to bookshop. I mean, please go to bookshop and pick out a subject that isn't that matters to you that is interesting to you and find one that is not story based find one that's you know a little bit above your normal or your comfortable uh and get that because it's a muscle like anything else if 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 
you know, my wife talks about this a lot because I just think that academic writing is is just so difficult to read. And and you know, part of that is on purpose is they write for other academics, but my wife who comes from that world said, you know, it's not unlike anything else that if you work on reading it, you can begin to break through it and and gather the information from it. So I'm not saying go go get an academic book. I am saying, though, find something that is not story-based, read that, and, and glean the information there and develop that muscle in your brain. All right, without further ado, thank you so much for tuning in. The most important thing this week, as always, is to be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.